once in a while, and it's uh, usually an exciting experience. Uh, whether good or bad, it's certainly exciting. Um, so I want to just talk a little bit today about, uh, hopefully this thing is on, make sure yeah, it's, it's on. A couple of things that I think are pretty important. We're not going to be making our nation great again, so don't worry about that. Um, who here has had a confrontation with somebody? Or some level of tension or an argument that has lasted a good bit of time? You know, let's say, um, you know, either somebody that you know or somebody that you're close to, whether it might be friend, family, then turned enemy or something like that, where you've had some kind of disagreement with them and... You know, it's like they're being unreasonable, and, you know, you can't get a word in, it's not logical, they're just arguing and arguing, and, and for whatever reason, it's just like, they will just not, be, they, you can't make them happy, you know, it's just, whatever it is, they're just not wanting to come around, so to speak. Anybody had any arguments like that? Any confrontations? Yeah, okay, I see some hands. I think everybody probably has in their, at least mentally, their hand up. Thinking about somebody where it's just like, man, I just can't get, I can't get through to this person. Uh, and, and you know what it is? It's, it's interesting when we talk about these people because, you know, when it comes to these circumstances, who's usually the one that we're going to blame in the situation? Oh, the guy, right? So, uh, you know, that guy, he's unreasonable. That guy, he won't talk to me. That guy, he needs to pick up the phone. That girl, you know, uh, whatever. And for whatever reason, it's like, it's always, it's always that person, right? It's never me. It's always them. Uh, I mean, you see this all the time, even in the, in the news and on, uh, you know, whatever they call it these days, the celebrity gossip or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, Taylor Swift and uh, Katy Perry or whatever. Like, oh, she said that, he said that, whatever. And it's all kind of craziness, right? But invariably, whenever we have these long-standing feuds, we tend to think in our minds, who's, who's really at fault? That guy. That girl. Her problem. Not my problem. It's her problem. His problem. I think there's a verse here that's very interesting. Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, there's a lot of good stuff coming out here. Toward the end of the Roman uh, lesson to the Ro- or the letter to the Romans here, a lot of good stuff is coming out here. But there's a passage here, starting in verse 14, that I think is really just one of these where you read it and you're like, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, I know that's what I'm supposed to do. But then sometimes, for whatever reason, it doesn't really hit us. Like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I want you to look at verse 14. It says, "Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep." Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I just want to stop there. I mean, there's the rest of this thing that's pretty good, but we'll, we'll stop there for the moment. You notice that last verse there, that last phrase. So much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. What does that mean to you? Does that mean, well, it's really up to the other guy, but like, you know, you kind of put a little, a little effort into it. What does that mean? Well, do you know what that means to me? That means that you are responsible for being at peace with other people. 
for dealing with confrontation, for dealing with tension, for dealing with whatever type of uh, feelings of bad, let's just use that, uh, that may exist between you. And it's interesting to me that God has given that responsibility to each one of us, to be at peace with those around us. So today what I want to talk about is this idea of getting along. So simple, right? Such a simple concept. We've all heard it, right? You know, we probably tell kids, like, oh, you know, just get along, you know? Just get along. Uh, stop fighting over the toys. Just figure it out. Get along, whatever. Uh, it's a phrase we use. And it, what I want to focus on today are three concepts that we ourselves can apply to get along with other people. This isn't about, well, making sure the other guy does that, or making sure, well, she should say this or do that. This is about, what do I need to do to be at peace with other people? Where is my responsibility? And so hopefully, uh, looking at some of these things, it will help us to understand that we need to take some ownership here. We need to recognize that these issues that we may have with other people... As much as it's nice to say, well, it's her fault, his fault, recognize that we are just as responsible to resolve these issues, move forward, and, like I said, get along with other people. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Question for you. Anybody have any idea? There's some mechanics in the room. But, anyone have any idea why we put springs on cars, you know, that hold the wheels and hold the chassis together. Anyone, anyone have any idea why we have springs on cars? I just want you to think about this for a second. I want you to imagine, this is the road, I mean, this is pretty much every road in New Jersey, right? <laughs> I want you to imagine a car which doesn't have springs, and just has some straight metal steel girder or whatever holding the wheels to the rest of the car. How long you think that, that you would last driving that car down the road? Probably not too long. I mean, every bump, you know, all over the place, probably get concussion. Uh, you know, I don't even, I mean, how long would the car even last? I have no idea. I mean, dropping and shaking and all this kind of stuff. I think we would see that, you know, without a spring in the car, without what we call, like, the whole shock, strut, suspension system and all that business, every little bump in the road would be catastrophic. It would be like, bang, whoa, man, we got to stop. Is everybody okay? And, and uh, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's life, right? Uh, there's, you know, all kinds of roads out there, and you just, there's not going to be a perfect road. Unfortunately, this road is what we see all the time, and so what do we do? Well, we put the, the springs in our cars and the struts and all this so that when we hit the bump, you know, there's a little bit of a rock in motion, but it's not like your car just breaks in half in the middle of the road. What's the alternative to putting shocks and springs and, and all that? Well, the alternative would be, we'll take that road and make it totally flat. No bumps, no hills, no inclines, no divots, no potholes, nothing. Does that sound reasonable? No, that's not reasonable. There's no possible way that we're going to make a road that's totally flat. So that's why we do this. Now I want you to think about this. 
in terms of, you know, applying that to ourselves. Can you expect that every interaction with other people is going to be smooth sailing? That you're just going to mesh perfectly, every tooth of every gear is going to fall right in line, you're going to say something, they're going to think of that so wonderful, and they're going to say something, you're going to think it's so wonderful, everyone's just going to leave and be so happy, and every interaction is just going to be wonderful. Is that, is that reasonable? No, it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable to expect that every time we talk to somebody or interact with somebody, that that is going to be the most smooth possible interaction possible. It's not going to be a, a road that is totally flat all the time. There's going to be some potholes in the road. There's going to be some divots in the road. There's going to be some interactions that we are uh, going to encounter that are going to make us uh, uncomfortable or offended or upset or they're not going to be what we would do. And so, you know, like the car that goes down the road, we need to have something internal to us that's going to be able to absorb those shocks. When somebody says something, it's not to throw us completely off where we're going to be throwing some haymakers. Uh, we all know that's not reasonable. What is it? What's this characteristic I'm talking about that would allow us to handle these so-called bumpy interactions? The word is long-suffering. And it's a word that's throughout the Bible. And there's a lot of times that... God would tell us, well, you need some of this. You need to utilize this long-suffering. I want to draw your attention to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll notice in verse 1. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's a couple words there I think that you probably noticed that are getting along with what I'm talking about. Long-suffering, or the New American Standard says patience. Forbearance, the New King James would say, or New American says tolerance. And what is the point of all this? What is the reason that you need to have this shock absorber in your life? This characteristic of being able to handle the effects and, and just carrying on. Well, verse 3. So that you can diligently preserve this unity. To preserve the bond of peace that exists between you and other people. You know, you might say to yourself, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are really tough to deal with, and you just don't understand how tough it is to deal with my coworker who is so caustic, or my family member who just keeps saying all these offensive things. I don't really understand what's wrong with them. I would, let, I would draw your attention to the fact that God is not asking us to do something that he himself has not done and even continues to do today. One example that we're going to be looking at uh, later on in our Bible class, Nehemiah, chapter, uh, chapter number 9. I'll probably draw your attention to a couple of uh, verses here. The Levites and some others are singing these things. You'll notice as they're crying to the Lord, starting in verse number 26. 
This is talking about the Israelites. Kind of recounting the history of the Israelites and the now, the then Jews, I guess you would say. After they went into the land, verse 26, but they became disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs, killed your prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them. But when they cried to you in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven. And according to your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. But as soon as they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies, that they ruled over them. And when they cried again to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you rescued them according to your compassion and admonished them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted arrogantly and did not listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he shall live. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not listen. However, you bore with them for many years and admonished them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the uh, peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great compassion, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. You know, I look at God, and I think that you would probably do the same, and you would say, man, God had an awful lot of long-suffering with this group of Israelites, with this group of Jews, for year after year, time after time, exactly as Nehemiah records it, what did they do? Rebelled against God, went against God, blasphemed God, did literally everything that God said not to do, that's what they did, and everything God said to do, they ignored that. And yet, what do we see here? Time after time after time, instead of God reaching down and throwing the hammer, throwing the lightning, throwing the fire, burning them all up like he wanted to do a couple times, right? He had compassion. He had mercy. He had grace. I think what God endured is a little bit greater magnitude than what we deal with when somebody makes some random comment or does some mildly offensive thing to us or whatever it is. We need to be able to handle these things. And we need to build up this long-suffering, this patience that clearly we see God had. Proverbs chapter 14, the last verse we'll look at here. There's lots of verses in Proverbs, and you could just read through Proverbs. That could be a sermon in and of itself. But Proverbs chapter 14 has some good ones. Verse 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. You know what that means? person with long-suffering, person with this patience, person who... Doesn't take it, ease can take a lot before it gets them angry. That's a person who has wisdom. That's a person who really knows what to do. And on the contrasting side, those that don't are foolish. God calls us to develop this characteristic of long suffering. And, and so, what does that mean for us? Well, it means when someone does something to you and you're thinking about hauling off and screaming at them, or having some tension with them, or being upset, or angry, or any of these things. We've got to think of ourselves more like the car on the street. Take the bump and keep on rolling. Because the alternative is, you fly off the handle, you get angry, you get upset, you create tension, you create arguments, confrontation, and that can have all kinds of effects 
that certainly I think none of us would want. Recognize that perfection is impossible. None of us is going to have a perfect interaction with everybody. So it's on each one of us to absorb those hits. Take the shots. In the end, it will be better for all of us. Second thing I want to think about. Keep the car idea. A lot of people here work. Probably most people here work. Anybody just love their commute to work? Anybody just like, when you go to work, you're just like, oh, man, this is the best time of my day. Not me. Well, in some ways, maybe. It's like quiet and you're just chilling. But generally not, right? It's stressful, right? There's people, and and if if you're like me, you go through areas where there's like one road which goes through town, but there's like these other roads which are like left turn only or merge or whatever. And for whatever reason, it's like everybody knows you've got to be in the right lane, but for whatever reason, there's all those people that feel like, well, I'm going to go in the left lane until I get right to the end, and then I'll put my right blinker on, I'm going to just sit there and stop traveling. You know, we all see that, right? And what do you feel like when you see that? Do you feel like, well, that's nice. That's cool. No problem. Most of the time we feel like this guy, right? We're angry. <laughs> We are upset. What is wrong with you, man? You, this road's been like this for the last 50 years. You know what you're supposed to do. We get all mad. We get angry. We get annoyed. And, and I want you to think about, what is, your, what is your feeling about that person when they do that? You know, you see that guy, and you know, I've, I've done this too, right? You're sitting in the lane, and you see that car going by, and they're kind of going a little bit slower than normally they would. And you're like, that guy is definitely about to do a dive bomb. And, uh, and then he does, and you're like, ugh. That guy's such a jerk. Why couldn't he just sit in line like the rest of us, right? What, what is wrong with these people, right? They're so inconsiderate, so rude, and all these kinds of things. And we think, well, why are they doing this? Well, they must think they're, they're better than me. Oh, that person is just like, uh, doesn't care about the rules of the road, doesn't care about me. Look at him driving his, his Porsche down the road, thinks he's so great. Doesn't, the rules of the road don't matter to this guy. I want to draw your attention to something that I think is very interesting. Our perceptions of somebody's intentions and what they're doing and why they're doing it affects not only how we judge them as a person, like, oh, that was bad, that was good, but it also has an impact on how we feel ourselves and how we act. I want you to think about this. When you see that guy cutting people off, what's your reaction? Anger. You're mad. Right? You get all flustered. Your heart, your blood pressure goes up. You get red. Right? Some people get out of their cars and go crazy. But that's another story. How would you feel if you knew that the reason that that person was doing this was because their wife is in labor and their water's broken and she, the husband is driving and he is concerned that this baby is coming right now and he's trying to get to that hospital as soon as possible. Or any other possible reason that you can throw out there where you might say, well, that, this guy really needs to get where he's going. If I tell you that, does that make you feel a little bit different about that person? Does that make you feel a little bit different in that situation? You're probably feeling like, man, I wish I could do something. I wish I could help. Well, there's something that you can do to deal with the situation. And that is, you need to start to trust in goodwill. Well, that sounds complicated. What in the world does that even mean? Well, what is goodwill? Well, to make it very simple, right? What's goodwill? It's the intention to do good towards other people. Or to do good in general. 
And what, what does that even mean? How does this even relate? I want you to consider a situation where you have a friend or a family member who has done something that has hurt you or that has bothered you or has offended you in some way or fashion. I could probably think of a lot with me and my wife where I have done something very dumb or she has done something that has bothered me, but for the moment I can't think of anything except not putting the dish in the sink. Uh, so we'll just stick with that for the moment. You know, for whatever reason, uh, sometimes it can be difficult for me to put my dish into the dishwasher. And what do I do? I just take it, I throw it in the, dish, in the sink, and just, you know, for some reason it just magically disappears at some point in time. And uh, my wife will tell me, just put it in the dishwasher. Just put it in the dishwasher. It's literally two feet away. You take one step, pop it open, pop it in, you're done. What's so hard about this? She doesn't say it like that. She says it much nicer than that. <laughs> but, you know, there's two options when she walks into the kitchen in the morning, right, and sees that dish in the sink. She can either say, that idiot, what is wrong with this guy? I've told him a thousand times, he's so dumb. doesn't do that. Or she could say, you know what, maybe he had a busy morning. Maybe he got a phone call. Maybe there was an emergency. Maybe he was preoccupied with some kind of stressful situation at work and just didn't think about it. Maybe he's thinking about me. Maybe he's thinking about the kids. Who knows? And so really, it comes down to, what do we want to believe about what other people are doing? If we think that, if we respond out of a place of, well, that person's a jerk, we're going to probably be angry about it. If we respond from a place where, well, you know what, that person is a good person, they probably just made a mistake, probably wasn't thinking, whatever, and, and respond from there, usually it's a lot easier to show a little bit of mercy, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of grace uh, when we do that. A couple of verses I want you to think about. Romans chapter 7. And we'll go through this kind of quickly because, again, I think, that, I think the point is pretty clear. When you look at Romans chapter 7, you see a guy who clearly has goodwill, and who God clearly favors, yet a guy who doesn't do the right thing all the time, even realizing it. Verse 14, Romans chapter 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. We're not going to do a deep dive into this, because we don't have a lot of time. But what I hope that you see here is Paul wants to do good. Right? He's a good-willed person. He wants to do the will of God. But what's the problem? He's struggling with sin. He's struggling with this thing inside him that's, that's making, not making him, but he's, is causing him to do these things that he doesn't want to do. He recognizes that. 
And I think all of us are in that boat. We all, hopefully, right? Hopefully all of us is not like straight malicious, right? But we all want to do what is right. We all want to do what is good. We all want the best for, for ourselves and for others. And when we recognize that other people are just like that, for the most part, right? We're not talking about the, the crazed, deranged murderer or all those people. But when we can recognize, or at least give the benefit of the doubt, that other people feel that same way, it becomes a lot easier to start to deal with the, the offenses and the infractions and the issues that other people present to us. Because we recognize, you know what? That person isn't out to get me. That person is struggling with sin just like me. Just like I do every single day. And it makes it a lot easier for us to, to move on and extend that mercy and extend that, that grace. I think also, we don't have time to look at it, but think about Jesus, right? The guy's in the garden going off to pray and he's got his, his apostles there and, and he says, hey, pray with me, all right? He comes back and they're asleep. And what, what does he say? Well, the, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Even he recognized that these guys wanted to do good, but they just didn't. I mean, you get even more extreme, right? Because what's going to happen later on? Well, everyone is going to abandon him. And yet when he comes back, does he say, hey guys, listen, we're done. It's over. No, he brings them all back. And they all continue on doing exactly what they had intended to do. We don't have uh, time to read a couple of these other passages that I had noted. A couple other Proverbs talking about wisdom is someone who seeks good. Someone who looks for the good. And somebody who's foolish is going to look for that evil and ultimately they're going to find it. We've heard probably the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. Love believes all things. It's used many times to talk about the same idea. Given the benefit of the doubt of somebody, believing that in fact this person truly wants to do the right thing. So let's seek to believe in the goodwill of other people, grant that benefit of the doubt, because like I said, not only is that going to uh, affect your perception of that person and your relationship with that person, but it's also going to affect how you personally feel and respond to that situation. Some things to think about. Last thing, and this is kind of a little bit more like quick points. But I want you to think about something. When you're in the midst of an argument, confrontation, tension, some kind of issue with another person, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about that argument, right? You're thinking about, this is what's so important. I've got to win this argument. That person is wrong. This is the problem. This is how we can fix it. Da-da-da-da. And we get what we call this tunnel vision, right? Where we're like, all we're focused on is this one thing. And what's the problem with tunnel vision? Well, you don't see anything else. You don't see any other situations, any other parts of the problem, parts of the argument, parts of the whole situation that are really important to keep in mind. And so the third thing I want us to think about is to have perspective. And so just a couple of quick, quick thoughts, quick points as we close here. First one, is this really worth it? I want you to think about the argument, the tension, the issue, whatever it is. And I want you to ask yourself, when you're in the midst of this situation, whatever it may be, I want you to ask yourself, what is going to be the difference 
if this thing is resolved this way, that way, the other. What's going to be the difference one hour from now? How is this going to have impacted my life or anybody else? How is this going to matter one day from now? One week from now? One year from now? I bet that you probably don't even remember the arguments that you had last week. I don't. Maybe you do, but I don't. And you know why? Because they don't matter. The things we argue about are so stupid most of the time. And we just lose perspective because we're so focused on, I want to be right, you're wrong, this is the way I want it. And we forget what's really important. Proverbs chapter 20. Verse 3 says, Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man. But any fool will quarrel. You know what that means? It means if, if you're just ready to, to throw down at every argument, that's the trademark of a fool. God calls us for better than that. Second thing I want to just quickly point out is, how do you think this is going to end? Do you think it's going to end? You know, especially thinking about like if you got a feud with somebody or it's going on for a long time, or it could be it could be other stuff too. Maybe it's like a squabble with your spouse or family or friend or something like that. How's this going to end? How's this going to play out? Do you think that whatever the squabble is going to be is just going to be like that's it, we're done, we're over? You know what? You burn the egg for the last time. I'm out of here. Is that what it's going to be? I think that when we take a step back, we'll say, well, you know, it's not like I'm going to leave this relationship because of this situation. So, you know, mentally we already know that this thing is going to end. That we want this thing to end. And so the question I would ask is what are you waiting for? Are you expecting the other person to do something? Are you expecting them to say something to you? Are you expecting that, well, it's really their fault so they're the one that should, should bring the situation up. They're the ones that should apologize. Well, I want to refer you back to what we started to study at the beginning, right? Romans chapter 12. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. If you're waiting for somebody, guess what? You're on the wrong side of Romans. Get to it. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word turns up anger. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 gives that phrase, don't let the sun go down on your wrath or on your anger. What are you waiting for? Go to the person. I bet that if you approach it with grace and mercy and compassion, I bet it will go a long way to resolving whatever the problem is. And you can put it behind you and be back where you want to be, which is probably not in this argument. And the last thing is just considering the big picture. Now, I read something that was kind of interesting. Uh, it said, you know, let's suppose that somebody gave you uh, $1,440 and then they took away five. Would you be mad about that? Well, no, because you had another 1435 left. Well, yet at the same time, sometimes we allow five minutes out of the day to ruin the whole day. You know, we have 1,440 minutes in a day. And if you let somebody or some interaction or some situation that's probably like five minutes, ten minutes, maybe even ten seconds, you let that ruin your whole day, ruin your whole disposition, you've really lost sight of the whole situation, haven't you? 
really missed the big picture here. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said, We can complain because rose bushes have thorns or rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. Do you want to complain because you have a few minutes of your day that's bad? Well, that's one way of looking at it. I don't think that's the perspective that God would want us to have. So we talked about three things today. And I appreciate your, your, uh, your attention and your patience. Some of these things are, I think, kind of common. And we talked about long-suffering. We talked about looking for the goodwill and trusting that others have it. And we talked about having the right perspective. And, you know, we looked at Romans chapter 12 and we said, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. These are things that you can do to be at peace with all men. These are things that you can actually implement in your own life to be at peace. Let's stop putting the blame on the other people. Let's stop pointing the fingers. Let's stop saying, well, it's her fault, his fault, their fault. And let's start taking some ownership and dealing with the situation. It's your responsibility. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll close. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He says this, verse 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fools, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your uh, your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. kind of tells you where God sees this whole situation, doesn't it? That God would want you to deal with this situation even before you come and offer at the altar. Before you do anything that you give to God, deal with this situation. Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I think that's where we all want to be. Sons of God. I think all of us would hope, hopefully think that we are sons of God. And so, like I said, let's, let's work on this. Let's work on getting along. Let's work on putting these, most of the time, some pretty petty stuff behind us. And live with one another in peace and love, just like God would want us to. I thank you very much for your attention. And um, this morning, extend the invitation to any here that... Uh, may not be a son of God, may not be a child of God. Maybe they're in need, maybe you're in need here of uh, obeying God, repenting of your sins, confessing Jesus, and being baptized. The opportunity is ever-present for you to do that. You certainly will have an opportunity this morning. Or, if you are struggling with something, you need prayers, whether it's for yourself or for someone else. Again, you certainly have that opportunity. Whatever it may be, we invite you to come Forward as we stand and sing.